Word, I'm gonna say the word. In the beginning was the word. What? Word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Tempe, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in the state and the region. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on Word, part two of our focus on NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. One of the things that I really took store in when I started last year and continue this year is that your first draft is going to be awful, and everybody's first draft is awful. Plus, we'll talk to a Valley teacher who incorporates the contest into her classroom and is breaking the rules in what you might call nano-mimo. I love the student component because it's sort of what I myself have tapped into this year as a rogue writer. But first, Michelle Raby has been participating in NaNo seriously for about five years. She joined me recently at the KJZZ studios to discuss her project. This year, my project is actually something I've been working on for almost a year and a half now. The characters are so not cooperating with me. <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy to say, but no. But it's, sometimes it it's is. like an internal struggle, right? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Um, I had an idea where the book was going. I had the whole thing plotted out, and then one character was like, "No, I'm doing this." <laughs> what? okay, fine, you're going off in that other direction, and now I have to follow you. Because I'm not a plotter at all. I'm what they call a pantser. So, yeah. Right, and I've talked to other people who have used that term, meaning fly by the seat of your pants. Um, You know, some people do plan everything out. Uh, They have an outline. They have uh, what we call a life draft to swim to, a clear ending in mind, and sort of right to that end. Mm -hmm. Do you find... It's just easier in your creative process uh, to to approach writing that way because obviously it's difficult to, I think anyway, difficult to be creative on a schedule. It's very much about having a routine. And um, one of the books I really love on the craft is uh, Stephen King's On Writing. And in it, he mentions, you know, you should have a routine where you sit down and this is when you're going to write. And I have found that at least for me, when I'm like, okay. I'm sitting down at this time and I'm writing and I'm writing until, you know, the words run out. I feel like I am more creative at that time. It's a discipline, I think. Right, right. Um, And then there are times when I'm sitting in traffic for 45 minutes and going, oh, hey, wait, I could do this and that. that. Oh, that would be fun. And I'm really mad that I don't have a pen and paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wondered if, you know, maybe you used a smartphone or something like that, because I've talked to other people who do, you know, their commute times are long in the morning and in the evening. And so they just have their electronic voice recorder. And when they're sitting in traffic, some comes out of them and they record it could be about a plot device could be about what a character says maybe some dialogue running through their head I have done that before Um, I used to live in the LA area and I would drive up to the Fresno area to see my dad and that's a three-hour drive through some of the flattest and most boring parts of California Um, so my mind did tend to wander while I was driving Uh, so you know I would this was before smartphones, so I would call and leave myself voicemails. Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a really good idea, actually. As far as your plan of attack for this year and sort of the theme and subject matter of your writing, what are you focusing on? I'm focusing on trying to finish this book that's been a pain in my butt for the past year. It is uh, the fourth in a series, a uh, fantasy romance series. Uh, called Dragon's War right now. 
technically. So there's uh, dark fey, dragon fey, some shape shifting going on. It's kind of fun, I think. <laughs> and where do you draw your inspiration for this? Is are these kinds of genres or subject matter that you've always been interested in? I've always been in, into fantasy, uh, science fiction kind of stuff. Not really more modern stuff. I'm like, it, it's too close to life. I like escapism in my reading and my writing. So yeah, it's always been something I've been into since I was a kid kind of thing. Well, and sure, I mean, it's why a number of people do read. They want to have a place that is not the day-to-day, what uh, William Butler Yeats called the quotidian tedium, which is the daily boredom of life in some cases, right? Some people use NaNoWriMo like you know, one year they're really just trying to get to the 50,000 words and try and get a manuscript out of it. And then the next year they sort of use that time to edit that. And so it's like a two-year process for some people. Have each of the times that you've participated in NaNo actually materialized into a full-length novel? Definitely the first one that I did. Um, I was, I suppose... Under strict nano rules, you could call it cheating. Um, I was rewriting a book that I'd actually started writing 10 years before. So it was like, okay, I'm tearing it completely down, throwing away everything I'd written so far, and just completely rewriting it, which is scary, but also a lot of fun at the same time. Most of the time, I do my best to try and get something produced out of it. But if I don't, it's not something I'm going to beat myself up over. Right. And it's an interesting community. I think there's a lot of support that goes on. It's changed quite a bit since when I first heard about it well over a decade ago. You have uh, social media influence now. And in fact, that's how we found each other. Mm -hmm. Have you participated in uh, workshops around town or participated in group events? Um, Last year, I think I went to the kickoff event. That was a lot of fun because they did some exercises that were meant to kind of help the creative juices flowing. And so it was good. And it was also good to be in that energy. Um, And then uh, I think I also went to the final write out kind of thing last year. Um, Unfortunately, at the time or last year, my job and probably this year, uh, the new job, the schedule is not going to allow for a lot of the get togethers. So that's why I really like the online community, because it can be whenever you need it. So no professional writing experience then. But you mentioned that you have been part of some of these communities, uh, either virtually or in person. What types of things have you learned from them, for instance, uh, about how to build better characters? Um, dialogue, does that come to you naturally, for instance? Well, I I did study acting. So dialogue, to me, that's how a scene starts. It starts with two, maybe three, maybe eight or nine characters. It just depends on what the scene is. And it's everybody talking back and forth. So honestly, the first, my first drafts usually just look like line of dialogue, character name, line of dialogue, character name. That's it. And then I have to flesh it out from there. As far as building characters and everything, I'm one of those strange writers that they tend to come to me fully formed. I don't really have wow, to that's do. Great. I don't do a lot of the background work because that very much gets me into my own head. So I, I think it's the difference between the plotter and the pantser again. <laughs> Well, or maybe some of your acting experience, because I can remember in college, you know, I I just took a basic acting class. I was just interested in it as something that I felt could add to my portfolio. But one of the things that I really liked was this acting exercise where it had this list of questions. It's like, 
what type of clothes does your character wear and how do they speak and eventually you name them what are their Mm -hmm. complications and I found that exercise actually translated into the art of fiction writing Mm -hmm. but it seems to me that as you're saying you sort of arrive at that thing quote unquote what feels like naturally to you but is it possible that you help build that skill out of your experience in acting? It's actually really very possible to be honest. Um, I I honestly think that every writer should take either a basic acting or an improv class just to help them get more in touch with their feelings. And it sounds kind of crazy, but a lot of times when I'm writing, I will be sitting at my computer or, you know, the desk writing longhand because whichever way it works, I will work. (laughs) Um, And I will get up and I will walk around and I will, you know, talk to myself back and forth dialogue especially um, my roommate looks at me like I'm crazy so this is why I generally do it while he's sleeping <laughs> that's okay don't worry about it because Aaron Sorkin does the same thing he's talked about being in his car and if you weren't there inside with him and you're like driving next to him in traffic he looks like a crazy guy because mm-hmm. he's shouting and getting really enthusiastic and he does amazing dialogue Absolutely. I think he's one of our best, uh, dare say, perhaps our modern Shakespeare Mm -hmm. in that particular regard. I also think that authors should watch shows with good writing. I know they say you got to read a lot and you do. But you also to me, you also need to listen a lot and shows with good writing, great writing, especially like The West Wing. I'm thinking of The Good Place right now. That's an amazing show that I like. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Great dialogue there. Just to hear the rhythms that the writers use because we can't emulate speech without hearing it. And unfortunately, speech, especially modern day speech, is just terrible for trying to write and make a coherent story from. You know, I did an exercise with the writing class that I was in where we went and we eavesdropped on people and we tried to take down, you know, their conversation and get an idea of what was going on and we just couldn't. Because they weren't talking with each other. Yeah, a lot of talking at one another. Right, good point. Or using a device. Uh, Let's face it, I know there are people that simply will not answer the telephone. Mm -hmm. But if it's a text, they'll jump right on it. I'm one of those people. Yeah, and I know plenty of people like that. Uh, It always infuriates my mom because she's 72. (laughs) It's a generational (laughs) thing. But it's a generational thing. Yeah, Yeah, my dad, he's like, I don't want a smartphone. I'm good with my stupid phone. My mom, who's a little bit younger than he is, She's got a smartphone, and occasionally I'll get a text, what is my phone doing? I'm like, I don't know, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Michelle Raby, who is participating in this year's NaNoWriMo and has done for several years, thanks so much for coming to Word. No problem. Thank you for having me. Coming up, we'll talk to another Valley writer who is pushing hard to hit the goal of 50,000 words this month. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. It's one of the hallmarks of your public radio station. Stories well told. You count on KJZZ for fact-based reporting and multiple viewpoints. Listener support ensures the stories are well told. Take a look at some favorite stories of the year and make a gift of support at KJZZ.org. KJZZ Spot 127 Youth Media Center is a qualifying charitable tax organization, which means that your contribution is eligible for a dollar-for-dollar credit on your Arizona taxes. Visit taxcredit.spot127.org today and support our award-winning students. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Recently, Laura McKenzie joined me at the KJZZ studios in Tempe to talk about her nano experience. 
This is her second year participating, and I began by asking her if the deadline pressure to complete 50,000 words in a month helps her drive to do so. Absolutely. I think seeing what that big chunk is, breaking it down into small pieces, and committing to doing that daily so that you can reach the end, that's what really got me hooked on writing every day. Um, I will also say that starting with write-ins, their write-ins are groups of people who get together and write for NaNoWriMo, and there's a whole schedule of them here in Phoenix. There are quite a few that happen, and the first write-in that I went to was last year on Halloween, and we started writing at midnight, and I was very nervous about going, and I showed up, and there were a whole bunch of people just like me (laughs) who, you know, I really felt like I'd found my tribe people who just wanted to sit down and and write. I think that's the beauty of NaNo is that it is really an interesting community and people celebrate that. Uh, Of course, it is a contest and there is always going to be people who are competitive in any type of contest scenario. But what I have found is just the level of camaraderie, if you will, is amazing. There's so many, I guess I would call them writing coaches out there, even if you don't go to something that's a little bit more planned, like an event like you talked about. With social media these days, you can pop on there, talk about your struggle that you're having, right, trying to get through a particular character's uh, mindset, for instance, and maybe somebody will help you work it out. Have you experienced things like that? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, this morning I was online. I will say that um, Facebook does have a NaNoWriMo group, um, and there's also one for Phoenix-based people, but I was happy. I was on the, the global NaNoWriMo, and this morning somebody had written about plot holes. Well, I happily spent <laughs> 15 or 20 minutes laughing out loud and reading about people's plot holes, knowing that I had them as well. For instance, you know, I used to think, what is a plot hole? Is it this giant thing? What? How do I tackle this? How do I know what it is? Well, it turns out <laughs> I have a beautiful one. My main character starts out in San Francisco, walks her dog, feeds her cat, <laughs> packs up all her goods, and moves to Maine. Well, what happened to the dog and cat? Everything else is in storage. She's off in Maine. You know, big plot hole. What happened? So well, I'm thinking what happened. She is not going to have a dog or a cat in the final product, but it's all little things like that. Yeah, and sometimes the littlest things can trip authors you know, up. It's like you have this grand scheme, you know, where you're going eventually. You have the ending written, perhaps, but the sort of A to B to C to D, you got to fill in the spaces in between, right? Yes. How do you get there? Yeah. And last year, I started with an outline, and the very first night, I had a paragraph that I started. It was kind of like a, I don't know, it's not quite, it wasn't a poem. It was just a a thought, a wisdom, if you will. And then I took off in a completely different direction, didn't use the outline at all. This year I went in thinking I was going to write a horror story and frightened myself too much before (laughs) I started. I think it's not, it's not going to be a horror story. At least I don't think so. But um, no plot, no plan, nothing, empty page. So I started with a moment in my life that was really meaningful. And so I'm taking it from there. You know, I've heard from numerous writing instructors that say staring at a blank screen is often some of the most helpful time spent. And, of course, when you're trying to get a daily word count, maybe you don't (laughs) exactly appreciate that wisdom. 
About how long does it take you to achieve that daily word count? Does it just sort of depend on your day? You try to block out some time, obviously, but maybe the creative juices flow a little quicker one day than the other? Absolutely. Those juices flow or they don't flow. But for me, um, it's about an hour and a half. So I know if I sit down for an hour and a half, I will come up with at least the number of words that I need. Are they good words? Not necessarily. Often not. Often they're repetitious. And last year, they they seemed to spend a lot of time baking biscuits. I, <laughs> you know, so when it comes to the final product, I know that I'm going to cut a ton of that stuff out. For example, last night I was writing and I'm, and I finally got to the end of it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so boring. Something is going to have to happen or I'm not going to be able to keep going. Right. So. Yeah, part of it's entertaining yourself. And yes. if you can't entertain yourself, you might not be able to entertain you, an audience, right? You definitely won't be entertained. <laughs> Entertaining your audience. Yeah, uh, I've talked to others as well that um, you know talk about um, you know essentially moving through whatever mental blocks you have in your mind, and so that you're not self-censoring as you're writing. That that's a really important component of this to get to the end game. Again, fifty thousand words in the month of November. Uh, do you find that process to be helpful, or do you try to edit some as you go? I really try not to edit. One of the things that I really took store in when I started last year and continue this year is that your first draft is going to be awful. And everybody's first draft is awful. And so I I went with that and I didn't go back and edit unless it was a really bad spelling, you know, something that I couldn't couldn't sure. get past, but really trying not to um, edit any of the the things that I'd written, and I made the mistake, or maybe it was a good thing. I, the next day, after my first writing session, I read what I had written, and it was awful. It was terrible, and I laughed out loud, and I said, "But I did it, you know." And this is this is my baby. It's my ugly baby, and I love it. <laughs> has there been anything that has surprised you personally about the experience of Nano? Something that you accomplished that you didn't maybe think that you could do? Getting to the very end of it, yeah. <laughs> actually getting that, uh, it was actually more than 50,000 words. I thought 50,000, I'm going to have to be writing all day. I ended up with over 60,000 words, and the product was not finished. It, I mean, I hadn't even told the whole story yet. And I think part of that is just the automatic writing. You keep writing and adding a lot of detail, and I think the my mindset was to add more words to what was going on to make sure that I hit that count. Um, but what surprised me was how enjoyable and how easy it was. I don't know why people struggle because I was in that very much automatic writing mindset that if I couldn't think of anything, I would just start with a sentence of, and then they, you know, and keep going. And are you far enough along the process that you pretty much know where this is going, and can you give us the, the bit of a synopsis for this particular year? Absolutely not. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's I'd kinda, love to that's share wonderful. with you the ending. Yeah. <laughs> I barely have a beginning, but I can tell you it takes place in Maine, uh-huh. so that's a magical place for me. It's where my Why folks so? my folks are living there, okay. and uh, I grew up in the Northeast, spent much of my life in California. And um, my folks are in Maine, so whenever I go home, I go to Maine, and it's wonderful. Is it fair to say then you're drawing a great deal of your own biography into this and creating amalgams of people that you've known in your life and maybe your own experiences? 
I will say this one definitely started with my own experiences. I don't think it's going to end there, but um, because I had nothing to write about, I had to write something. So I wrote about a specific moment in time when I was in Maine, and that kind of set the environment. So I can I can honestly say that Maine is the environment that I'm going to be writing in, as far right. as the people I you know I, they're yet to show up. <laughs> And are there activities that you sort of, I don't know, forbid yourself from engaging in during the month of November? Like maybe, for instance, you watch less TV or you don't read fiction at all, for instance. Maybe you just read the newspaper, things online, so as not to interrupt your own creative process. I wish I had that healthier creative process, <laughs> but I don't I don't restrict myself from reading, but I do try to read really good books, you know. The other times of the year, I will read books that I wish I hadn't spent the money on or spent the time on. But during November, I really strictly try and stay with some really good writing. Um, Social media, I um, restrict to a certain time period, Mm -hmm. less TV, but really focusing on this is my priority. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And have you found that you have sort of become, I don't know, maybe critical as a reader. So, for instance, because of your participation in NaNoWriMo, that when you read now, sometimes you're just trying to read for enjoyment, but you find yourself saying, gosh, that was an interesting turn. I wouldn't have done it that way. Or why did they use this particular word choice? I'm laughing. Yes. Yes. Uh, It has, you know, extended itself even to series on a television or something. Sure. The writing. How is the writing on that? Is it very tight? How many of these sentences could have been pulled out? You know, this isn't something that I realized when I was actually writing at the time, but rereading things that I've written, I start making it more concise. And so, yes, that has spread throughout my reading. And it's kind of enjoyable because it means that I've learned something. Yeah, I think that's definitely a byproduct of that kind of activity. Where did the magic number 50,000 come from? Obviously, you take a writer like Stephen King and his novels (laughs) and probably the hundreds of thousands of words. Yes. The fellow who started it, Chris Beatty, he also wrote a book, No Plot, No Problem. He described how it came about. It was basically him and 20 of his friends decided to write a book, and they looked and they decided that 50,000 words was the average for a fiction book, just the average. Hmm. So that's where that magic number came from. Okay, so it's like they walked around the library and just (laughs) random counts of novels, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I figured there was maybe some kind of... uh, publishing tactic or something involved in that number, but that's interesting. I would say that, that yeah, that number is based on an average manuscript, and and I think the idea is that that's 50,000 really good words, <laughs> not right. 50,000 of Laura's <laughs> nano words. <laughs> so... <laughs> Laura McKenzie, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word, uh, joining us in Medias Race, as they say, in the middle of the story, in the middle of your story, in Mm -hmm. fact. And we appreciate you giving us some detail on what it is that you're doing, even if it sounds like you're not sure where you're going to end up. Thank you very much. And it's all just an adventure, right, every day. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share my experience. Coming up. We'll talk with a Valley teacher who incorporates Nano into her classroom and is breaking the rules. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. 
I'm Jay Ellison, producer of The Moth Radio Hour, and I hope you'll join us for our show here on KJZZ. With true personal stories told live without notes to standing room crowds around the world, Moth shows are renowned for the range of human experience they reveal. Moth stories aren't part of the disposable daily information flow. They stick with you. The Moth Radio Hour airs Saturday at 3 on KJZZ. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Sonia Momin is a Valley English teacher. We began our discussion at the KJZZ studios in Tempe by talking about how she gets her students engaged in NaNoWriMo. Or at least a variant of it, maybe more appropriately called NaNoMimo. I've been doing the student version of it with my students since I was working with accelerated 8th graders and I included all of my eighth graders, but most of my participants were in the accelerated track. And it became a part of not, at first it was extra credit, then it became an actual assignment. And then I went back to extra credit. And this year I'm going, I don't have the time that I've had in previous years, so it is whoever wants to. So last year, I think I had of the just extra credit ones, I had over Oh, I want to say I had about 25 students participate last wow. year. Yeah. That's, that's still well, quite out a, of 120, quite a bit. that's but still. Not. <laughs> I mean, what do you think about all of the things that kids do today yeah. to avoid, you writing. know, writing? <laughs> and and, and I and I won't say that, you know, word processing and texting there isn't some kind of digital skill that you're building there and I don't mean digital is online. I mean you're using your yeah. hands and your mind. But that's kind of fascinating. Now, how is the student contest different from those who've been doing this as adults and, and more sort of the folks who are interested in this kind of from a professional level, if you will? I love the student component because it's sort of what I myself have uh, tapped into this year as a rogue writer. The students get to set their own parameters. So they may say, I'm going to write a page a day, or I am going to write this many minutes, or they may set a word goal. So I have students this year who are shooting for, I think the smallest number is 10,000, and then I have a student who wants to write 40,000. Wow, that's pretty ambitious. It I is. I mean, considering where the national goal is 50,000, right. and so I understand that number was arrived at by the creators of NaNoWriMo 20 years ago. There's a small cadre of fiction writers, I think about 21 of them, who got together and developed this, and now it's an international thing. And they just sort of went and looked at books, and that's the number that they came up with as sort of an average 50,000 words on a novel. One of my favorite years that I did NaNoWriMo with students, I had a student outwrite me, and she did it with pen and pencil and a notebook. Wow. She wrote 70-some thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> and did she go on to teach English or become a creative writing major? Do you have she, any idea? She was an eighth grader when she accomplished that. Uh-huh. She is a senior Holy in high cow. school this year. Yeah. I mean, it's she, amazing that anybody, you know, in high school could get to that word count, but 70,000 as an eighth grader. As an eighth grader. That's yeah. outstanding. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. So I just have to applaud my students. Absolutely. Any time when I feel as though, because I think one of the greatest challenges of NaNoWriMo is not only finding your groove for the genres mm. that you prefer to write in or the exploration and the curiosity that you, you that you put into play, 
But I think that one of the joys of it is seeing other people get excited about their ideas and expressing them and sharing them well, with others. Let me pick up then on that notion okay. of genres. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite genres? I love reading a lot of different genres. I am very eclectic in my reading, although I have to be honest, I tend to play in the fiction world more than the nonfiction world as far as my own reading. And for my writing, it's probably about half and half. Mm -hmm. But I love supernatural and paranormal. I love historical fiction because I am a history buff, so I love going and finding out about how things were in the past. And then I do my own explorations of them by reading tons and tons of nonfiction related to that, even though I don't usually read nonfiction unless I get really excited about something. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. I mean, as mm-hmm. an English teacher, you need to know a great deal of history to understand the time periods when things were written, among numerous other yeah. reasons to include history as part of your repertoire. You are going rogue this year. I am. Will we modify this to say it's Nano Rye Row? <laughs> I yes. think so. <laughs> like uh, Row and Rogue. <laughs> when I started playing around with the alliteration of it, I spelled rogue with a W. Okay. Because as a writing, I'm writing rogue this yep. year. So yep. I had my, I think it was my second year or my third year. I had never written my Peace Corps memoirs. And so I went rogue that year by um, transcribing and then revisiting a lot of the stories of what had happened to me as a Peace Corps volunteer. But as fun as that was, I felt it was too confining because I felt like I had to go and like, well, when did this happen? And I was spending all this time researching stuff. And during National Novel Writing Month, you don't have time to research. You are writing. I want to ask you about young adult fiction. Mm -hmm. And I have asked this question of other young adult writers. In fact, we had an entire episode of Word solely based on kids' literature. And one of the things that other people who have written both young adult fiction and uh, just fiction for adults, for instance, uh, have told me that really the process is the same. And I found that kind of interesting because you're dealing with two totally different audiences. Have you found that process to be the same? I'm curious to to your reaction. I have found it to be the same. And I think those are times in our maturational lives when we are exploring ideas and really coming to grips with all kinds of questions about not only identity, but uh, of course our future, but our doubts that we have and our sense of being and interacting our social lives. Well, and I think that makes some sense. As you say, that's the age group that you're kind of focusing on uh, as an English teacher in high school. The other thing that I sort of just realized by complete happenstance and just discovery of talking to people is that one of the reasons why young adult fiction is often so popular is not solely because of the audience that it's aimed at, but adults can read it too. And so either they're trying to build a connection with their own teen or their child, but then they're also possibly remembering things that happened in their own lives. And so there's like, it's like a comic that way, right? For multiple audiences. This is a tributary. My husband warned me not to go Luis from the Ant-Man stories. But when we were reading the stories, the Harry Potter stories, 
I totally understood my husband better <laughs> because he grew up in in Great Britain. Uh-huh. And so there were elements of him that sure. I had no idea. Like, how did he end up being this way? And now I understand it because of J.K. Rowling's stories about a school, a fictional supernatural school. Sure. But there were elements of character that I realized had shaped him growing up in that system that I didn't know. So I think that is one of the truths of young adult literature is that regardless of uh, what the story is, it's really touching on some real heart truths that are evident in people's lives. It's really remarkable what you mentioned there with respect to J.K. Rowling. And I'm thinking of just, you know, other things like idiom and how people express themselves, how characters express themselves in different languages, slightly different descriptions for the same thing, for instance, where we call it a trunk in a car and they call it a boot, right? Or they pronounce what we call aluminum, aluminum. Um, So little things like that are very interesting and they help build characterization in, in novels, for instance. Now, this particular month, you're actually doing something really interesting with poetry, and which is um, right after my own heart. I'm a poet as well. Tell me about this. Well, I love poetry. I love reading poetry, and I write poetry. And this year, I decided to use it as my starting point. So every morning at 4.30 in the morning, I wake up and I write a poem. And I have some ideas that I have of things I might want to explore, but I write a poem that day, and then when I'm through writing the poem, I because you for me to get to 1667 words a day with poetry, because poetry is its own different animal. Absolutely. Time-wise, it just isn't going to be feasible. So I write until I feel like I've got the kernel of truth that I want to share for that day, mm-hmm. and then I write an essay about the origins of how that idea came to be. And I turned that into an explanatory essay, if you will, I guess. Yeah, trying to get to 1,667 words in a day for me, who chiefly writes short things like haiku, would be almost impossible, right? How many haiku is that, by the way? I tried to write a haiku (laughs) the other day (laughs) and uh, like a series of haiku in order to make make my idea come out because I realized I was writing in in triplets as far Mm -hmm. as the lines. And then I thought, oh, let's just turn it into haiku, a series of haiku. And I I don't have the time for that in my mind. Right. So I'm doing mostly free verse. I have maybe this weekend, it's a long weekend, I might explore some. Poetry is all about compaction. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the inverse of the plan for NaNoWriMo at 50,000 words in a month. Uh, well, you're doing a lot of exciting things uh, with your students and, and yourself as well, and going rogue as well, which I, I find that there's probably more than just a handful of folks out there. It seems to me from folks that I've talked to is that everybody uses nano in their own way. I mean, you, of course you have people who want to eventually be in the marketplace. Most recently, Kevin Kwan, who wrote Crazy Rich Asians, which was turned into a major, major Hollywood production, and I believe a sequel's on its way. Kevin started that novel as part of NaNoWriMo. Right. Another writer, I want to say her name's Erin Morgenstern. The Night Circus. Yes. Yes. One of my advanced placement students is actually reading her book. It was okay. on the young adult, the Yalsa literary uh-huh. site, as recommended for college-bound students. 
And so that book came out of NaNoWriMo. It so it did. can happen for sure. You know, do you ever have a moment with your own students where they realize, oh, there's a real person behind this? This isn't just an assignment, for instance. And what does it do for them, apart from you seeing that kind of light bulb go off in their head? I see it in both. And for instance, one of the joys of NaNoWriMo over the years with doing it with my students has been, I've always invited my son to join me as well. He's 14. And he's been doing it off and on since he was in kindergarten. Now, his NaNoWriMo looks a lot different than my NaNoWriMo or my students. But the year that he was in second grade, his teacher got so excited because he was illustrating his story. It was about <laughs> monsters in outer space, awesome. which is, you know, an eight-year-old, right? Right. But he got so excited about it, and she told him, I want to read your book. Now he's never finished it, and that's okay. And I think that's part of the joy of NaNoWriMo is that whatever you do with it, it's all part of the journey. So he has that experience, and he's had people tell him, I love what you've written, or I want to know more about what you've written, or tell me about where that came from. And then that has opened up other windows of opportunity for writing and learning and experiencing life. Right, and putting it on your own terms. Yeah. So maybe we call it NaNoMimo. I like in, that. In that instance, right? <laughs> I like that. Well, Sonia, I want to thank you so much for coming in, talking to us on this edition of Word, and telling us how you're planning on going rogue this month during November. Thank you. It has been a joy. And that'll do it for this episode of Word. Next month, we'll be focusing on stories for the holidays as we continue to champion the literary arts in the state and the region. If you have a suggestion for a future show or an inquiry, visit our website at word.kjzz.org. While there, you can explore our archive. I'm Tom Maxidon, and thanks for listening. Word. Word? Word. What's the word? Thanks for listening to Word from the KJZZ Studios in Tempe, Arizona. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org.